Welcome listeners, you're listening to season two of the Together Podcast. This is episode number 38. We are getting to talk today with one of my favorite photographers local to Portland, Miss Katie Dessen of Katie Dessen Photography. She has done a lot of our marketing shots for Together. She was a speaker at our conference last year, and she just has a ton of useful nuggets of information from a entrepreneur and as a photographer. Katie is known for doing digital and film photography, and she is one of the most talented, fun entrepreneurs that I know, and so I'm really excited for you guys to get to know her as well. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. You're listening to Together, an entrepreneur podcast. This is the podcast to listen to when you want to hear entrepreneurs be real, raw, and laugh as they share some of the stories, secrets, and truths that we all face in the incredible journey that is entrepreneurship. Join your host, wife, mom, and serial entrepreneur, Devin McCabe, the founder of Together, an entrepreneur community, as she interviews entrepreneurs from around the globe. These are real interviews from men and women in all industries and stages in their businesses, from just starting out to seasoned professionals. You're not alone in this journey, and others were right where you are right now, hopefully inspiring you to follow your dreams and crush your goals. And now it's time to hear from our guest and your host, Devin McCabe. Hi, Katie. Thank you for joining me today um, on our second season of the podcast. I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I met Katie, I think, I'm pretty sure it was 2016 is when I think I officially met you. Yeah. Um, and it's funny to me because it kind of makes you realize how small industries are. Um, when I found you, I was actually doing like an Instagram search for a photographer So I was looking for styles that I felt like were what I was looking for. And I saw your feed and I don't remember if it was because somebody had tagged you in a photo that I really liked or how that happened. But I know that when we officially met in person, I was like, oh, you know that person and you know that person. And I was like, oh yeah, we're in the same like Portland wedding industry group of people. Um, That was, that was really cool too. I remember I was working at the coffee shop at that time and this was like a really casual laid back coffee shop that I was working at, but I remember getting your message and being like, excuse me for a second. <laughs> like, my like this girl I had, cause I had known about you through Brittany. And yeah. I was like, I need to respond to her Instagram message. I'm sorry. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me while I take this. Um, right. But um, Katie is a Portland based um, photographer and she's got this amazing style. That's very light and airy. And she's done a lot of the photographs for our team for together. And, um, she was also a speaker at our together experience last year. Um, so Katie, go ahead and like, let us know, like how you got started in photography. Like when, when did that all start for you? Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like one of those um, journeys that I feel like a lot of, especially creative business owners kind of stumble on. Mm-hmm. It's not something you've like predicted for yourself ever. So yeah. my journey began my sophomore year of high school and I had signed up to take a photography class. It was film photography. And the only reason I did that, and I think about this all the time and I just laugh <laughs> at my little high school self is because I wanted to like be the cool kid, you know, like all the kids in my art class, my freshman year, are like, yeah, we're going to be photographers. And, you know, I was just like, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> so I was definitely following the crowd a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started um, in the class, I was like, oh wow. Like, 
I actually am like pretty decent at this, especially, you know, because I didn't have any like painting skills. I couldn't draw, but I was always attracted to fine arts like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so having my first experience with my grandfather's camera that was given to my mom and so my mom gave it to me, um, and having that experience with that camera and being able to create like stuff that I wanted to, you know, it's like, yeah. I always wanted to be able to like draw flowers and beautiful landscapes, but I never could. But being able to have that ability in photography was so magical to me, especially because it's such a long process, especially with film, having to develop it yourself. It's very gratifying. Oh, um, so that, that was my first experience. And especially with film, which is really great now, because as you know, I do currently shoot film in my photography. Mm-hmm. Well. Which I feel like you don't like hear about very often. Like I feel like film is kind of like this lost art <laughs> that, that people don't use anymore. Right. And I, I, I just, I love it. And I have always loved it. And I remember in the summer, so going into my junior year of high school, like literally being obsessed with this, like it wasn't just something like that. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. It's like one of those like real authentic, true passions that I didn't really expect anything to come out of other than I just really enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. I remember through the summer, just taking photos of everything that I saw on film and then like waiting for um, like the fall to roll around so I can go and develop it all again and really kind of sticking to that passion. And then coming up on my senior year of high school, I kind of realized, I was like, oh, well, my friends need photographers for their senior photos. Like, why don't I just try that? And Mm -hmm. I didn't charge for any of it, but you know, I had a couple friends that I was like, let me take your photos and practice. So, um, it, it just like slowly, gradually like started to work into this idea of becoming a business, but it wasn't until I had moved to Alaska. Um, and I was there for about five months in the summertime. This was 2013, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, so I had brought my mom's camera and I brought my film camera and I had taken photos of like the whales and all this like oh, really wow, yeah. stuff, you know. And as I was leaving, getting ready to figure out where the next place I was going to live, which I ultimately chose Portland, I was like, well, what am I going to do when I get there? Because I didn't, I don't have a formal education. I didn't go to school. Um, so I was kind of like, all right, well, <laughs> time to like face reality. Like, what am I going to do for a living now? Because I feel like that trip at, at the end of Ala- my Alaska trip was like, okay, um, you had your fun. (laughs) It's time to be serious now. Um, and it was so, so difficult for me to not keep referring back to photography. Like photography was something that I just, I had knew in my heart that it was going to be a career for me, especially towards the end of my Alaska trip. So I moved to Portland in that, um, later in that October and, um, kind of did all my research and everything and officially got my license on April 1st of that following year. So I am coming up on my business anniversary, which is cool. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And then as far as getting into weddings from there, when I had started my business here in Portland, I was doing headshots and senior portraits Mm -hmm. because that's all I had in my portfolio, but, um, because I'm an actor as well. So I did actors headshots and tried to stay really involved in that community. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the, one of my actor friends that I had met was like, Hey, by the way, I'm getting married in October and we want you as our photographer. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> like, I don't know, but I mean, you let me know and I'll 
tell you kind of thing. So um, that, I mean, it just spiraled, it spiraled from there. So um, after shooting that wedding, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like I get to be creative and I also get to like work with people who are in like good moods generally. Like they're getting married, they're happy, especially the clients that I connect with. I don't think I've ever had a bridezilla because (laughs) Uh, I mean, I kind of laugh when people ask me that. I'm like, no, because they don't actually exist unless you're looking for those people. Yeah. Uh, so I've just been so lucky to connect with people who are like just really good people and continuing to, you know, make strides that way. That's awesome. But that's my long story. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's crazy. Like, I think even, what was it like a couple of weeks ago, I sent you a message and I was like, wait, you're from Georgia? Like what? Like, yeah, I'm like, I, I didn't, it's just funny how, like, I think, well, cause I grew up in Portland mostly. I did live in other places, but I came back to Portland. Um, but it's just like, I kind of just always assume people are just from here and boring like me and don't <laughs> places. And so, um, I was like, what, you're, you're not even from here. Cause also like, you don't really have an accent. <laughs> no. So my mom is from Southern California and my dad oh. is from Pennsylvania. So I think I just oh. kind of have that neutral somewhere in the middle, like I guess the mix of three different regions. That's so, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Funny. So yeah, I, I grew up there. I was born and I lived there until I was 19. That's crazy. That's awesome though. Such different weather. <laughs> you love, know, you know. love humidity and heat or rain and clouds. Yeah, I know. It's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> what like what would you recommend for somebody who, you know, is interested in photography um and not sure if they want to take it to that like business level? Like how would you like suggest for them to kind of figure out if photography is for them or not? Totally. So I I have a good friend um, and we had met because we were photographers and I don't remember how the conversation started, but we were just talking about like Instagram and I think we were just looking through each other's feeds and we were both like, oh, you're a photographer. Um, And so I had asked him one day, I was like, okay, well, like I see you're doing this as a hobby, but is it something you want to turn into a business? And he looked at me and he was like, no, like this is, this is just for me. And that's all I want it to be. Like, I don't, I don't see myself becoming a photographer as a business. Like this is just for my heart and my soul. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the very first question you need to ask yourself is, are you a business person or are you like just a creative soul? And you can be both, but being a photographer as a business, you first and foremost, you need to, you need to be very business minded because it is a heavy, I mean, this goes for any sort of creative, um, I pursuit of any kind. It's it. There's a lot of us. There are a lot of wedding photographers. There are a lot of invitation designers. There are a lot of branding consultants, but what's going to stand out is, is your commitment to it. So I think that's the very first question to ask yourself. Is it, are you, are you okay becoming a business person? Um, you're not going to lose your creative touch. And I think that's something that people are afraid of. They're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I don't want to spend all my time answering emails and things like that. But I mean, some of these huge photographers are prime examples of, well, it it doesn't have to end that way. Like it might start out that way, but it doesn't have to end that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I would just say, if, if you are, if this is your journey and you want to be a photographer, then just practice all the time. Like even still, like no, no matter how long you've been a photographer professionally or amateur, like you're going to be practicing all the time because style is something that I battle with 
and I know all photographers battle with, even with my style being film and it being kind of that timeless classic look, there's still changes like every two or three years, especially in, you know, our fashion industries, like the advertising industries. And we're constantly having to adjust to change for that. So practice, 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 and make sure that it's something that you like really, truly love because you don't want to get involved in something and commit yourself to 10 or so years of something that you just like. Do you know what I mean? So really love it because that's what's going to push you through all of those hard times. That's what's going to push you through those difficult conversations that you have with clients or, um, you know, even with your team, if you're struggling to photograph, you know, whatever it is, like team sports or um, weddings or um, engagement sessions, like anything that you run into an obstacle, what's going to push you past that is like your true love for what you do. Because at the end of the day, like you need to enjoy every minute of the process, even the hard stuff. I totally agree with that. It's, it's one of those things that, um, I find as an entrepreneur, there's, there's, there's different things where people can be, um, they can have a passion that they consider their hobby that they fear turning into a job because then it's no longer fun for them. But then there's, you know, the things that are just so much fun for them that, it doesn't matter if they're, it's a job or not. Like they just absolutely adore doing it. And it's like their purpose, you know? Right. And I think what's so cool about the creative industry is there's room for you to have one or the other as well. Like if you mm-hmm. aren't set on being your own business person, then you, there are other companies out there you could work for and be a photographer for as an associate. Mm-hmm. Like there are options. For sure. it's, not, it's not black and white. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. I mean, obviously your Instagram feed's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> kind of bringing it back to social media and stuff. How do you bring it to where um, clients are finding you or other people are finding you? And how do you use your social media to get engagement? Great question. I am obsessive with my social media. <laughs> I It's like one of those things, like I was saying, like I truly love what I do and therefore I can get through it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Social media these, especially now that the algorithms have changed both on Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. But Instagram remains to be the number one way I get um, new client inquiries by far, like even client referrals. Like I get, I get consistent client referrals, but the long stretch, especially like completely new clients, not even like it, like they're reaching out to me because their friend, they saw friends photo or whatever, but like, these are new people who have never found me or heard of me before or their friends um, finding me through Instagram. And I just put like a good two years of freaking blood, sweat and tears into this <laughs> really frustrating. And I know that everybody's feeling this way with the new algorithm is you're not getting that instant gratification anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not getting those likes and those comments as frequently as you used to anymore. So you're having to work harder and harder and harder. Um, so like day in and day out, that's like, of my task list for my office work is having to do with social media. So, um, the first thing is like getting that feed to be consistent. Um, and that doesn't necessarily always mean like the photos. Like it also means like what your captions are. Like you can't have this like oddball caption that doesn't fit along with your brand. So it's recognizing first your brand identity. So you know what your feed is supposed to look like. Um, this is specifically for Instagram and knowing what your captions are supposed to look like. Um, so that people know what to expect because I mean, think about anybody that you follow that you're constantly like checking on their page. Like you have like notifications that they post and stuff. Why, why do you love them? Because they're consistent and you know what to expect from them. They're being helpful or they're entertaining you. Right. And so those are some things that you need to kind of, um, hone your focus in on as far as 
like the purpose of using social media to connect with people, it's, I mean, it's in the name social, like, well, um, and especially as a photographer, I mean, it's basically your portfolio. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's typically the first place that I refer people to, um, when I meet them in person, as I just tell them to join me on Instagram, because it's easier for them to just absorb who I am a lot faster than my website. Although I, my website is also a piece of social media. And so, um, I, I feel like I'm going everywhere with this because there's so much in my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, such a, it's such a cool topic. Um, but yeah, so with Instagram, it's being consistent and being social and not expecting people to come to me, but I need to go to them. So things like Instagram stories, it's like, well, you know, on, on a couple days off that I have that I'm not doing any heavy office work, maybe I'll go to like a coffee shop or like a cafe that my ideal client frequents. So, you know, and I'm not going there because just because she's there. I also love it. You know, like I love me good coffee. Um, It just, it works because it goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So, um, and posting that on Instagram stories. So we can, we can have like a talking point, something to connect about. Um, Being a human. Right. (laughs) Because I think some people get caught up in, in what other big businesses are doing. Um, Like big, especially, you know, like, um, I love Jenna Kutcher. I love Jasmine Starr. Um, but what I watch other photographers do is repeat step-by-step what they're doing without taking into consideration who they are. Mm -hmm. They're trying to be somebody else instead of just being them and owning who they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just sticking true to yourself through it all is what is going to stand out on social media. Um, and I have a week weekly acting class and something that we're taught every week in acting classes, you're going to get hired as an actor because of who you are, not because you are better necessarily, or not because, um, you have a better resume or you've worked on bigger films. It's because who you are and what you as an individual bring to the table. And so taking that concept and applying it to social media, you will only stick out if somebody can connect with you. And so keeping in mind with your ideal client, okay, well, what can, what do we relate on? Even if there are two different, like if I were to never be able to connect with anything on my ideal client, except for five talking points, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to use those five talking points. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, for sure. That's Um, that's a good piece of advice too, to, to be who you are. Cause I feel like um, it's so easy, especially cause you know, as an entrepreneur, you, you kind of are the person who does all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you're the bookkeeper, you're the social media guru, you're the marketing expert, you're like everything. So I think with social media, it's one of those things where it's easy to fall into, um, either outsourcing or, you know, like using, um, tools and stuff like Planoly or whatever to schedule. And I think those are all fine things to do. But there's a part of authenticity that needs to get put into that to make sure that it's still following you and your brand. And um, I'm, I'm just curious, like, do you, do you use any of those kinds of tools or um, do you kind of like post, you know, each day on your own? Or how do you, how do you manage like keeping your true to yourself and making sure that it's authentic to the current time? Um, I plan out my social media as far in advance as I possibly can, Mm -hmm. um, just by, just by specific talking points. So, um, I try and do it around the 20th between the 25th, 20th and the 25th, excuse me, of every month. I like to plan for that next month of what every single Instagram post is going to be for that, Mm -hmm. um, for that series. 
Um, and I will write like two or three words on what the topic is supposed to be. And then coming up on like Monday or Tuesday of each week, I write a week of content. Um, and that's how I personally choose to do it. Um, because one time is like so important. So, um, especially looking at my calendar and saying, okay, well, these days I'm definitely not going to have any time to write any content. I'm not gonna be able to write in real time for these things. And that's okay. Um, because my content is always relevant still. And, um, and for example, if I do have like a, a trip coming up and I'm like, oh, I want to post about like a specific story that happens there, I'll just leave it blank and I'll type like two or three words. Like, um, like for example, I'm going to Los Angeles. So I'll type something like Los Angeles story into that. And I use later into that like little caption prep. Yeah. So coming up on when I'm supposed to post, I will write that caption in real time and post it. So it's kind of a little bit of both, mm-hmm. but I always pre-plan everything. So I know what to expect for myself. And that way I can get a little bit, um, leaner on analytics and kind of figure out what posts, what kinds of posts are working out the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that it's a, it's just, it's how my brain works. Um, so that's what I do for Instagram. And then Facebook, I get on about every two days to, um, schedule posts through Insta or through Facebook's um, platform. Okay. And then I will also schedule times into my calendar to post in real time. So it's a mix of both, just depending on when I have time and, and, um, recognizing that each platform is a different platform and never to share the same content across. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like that share to Facebook button. Yeah. It drives me nuts because it's like, that's just another thing that, that they're taking in for data. I don't need them to have, um, because I, yeah, that's just the whole thing. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, a little bit of both, um, for Instagram, the reason I plan a month in advance as well is because I need it. I'm so anal about Instagram and my visuals. I'm yeah, like, yeah, I can see so that. Awful with it. Yeah. <laughs> so when I plan three or four weeks out visually and that way I can kind of see where my feed is going. And, um, for photos that I want to take closer to like, um, for example, like taking a photo in Los Angeles, I will put a photo in that space of what color and similar object it will be. Mm-hmm. So on my feed right now, on my planned feed for when I'm there, I have a photo of a beach. And so I know, okay. And then I plan all my other photos around it. And so when I'm there, I'm like, okay, I need to take a photo of a beach that has this same kind of look like these same colors around the same time. That way it's still authentic and in real time, but I'm sticking true to the visual of my feed. Yeah, no, I love that a lot. That that's that makes a lot of sense. And it's, I mean, especially like we were saying, it's your portfolio. So you want to be able to highlight things in a way that is appealing to potential clients too. So it makes sense. Um, do you have recommendations for people who are not photographers on how to get good photos of their work or, you know, like, for me, for an example, like, I think I can take a somewhat decent photo with my iPhone, but, um, you know, like what, what kind of content do you think people want to see or how, how do we as non-photographers take, you know, decent photos that are, you know, photos that will stop the scroll basically. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. So there are a couple options. The first is obviously to work with a photographer. Um, mm-hmm, for sure. That's so much sweat off your back. Um, as long as you're communicating with them what you need and what you want. Um, so that's the first option that I would recommend. Um, as for taking the photos on your own, 
um, personally always go with the natural light and, um, use natural reflectors. And when you can, so like things that are bright, <clears throat> like whites or grays that you can bounce like the light off of, therefore taking away some of the shadows of your objects. Like if you're doing lay flats, um, you can go outside or you can just open the door to your home or, um, you know, just by the window, wherever you can get really good light and then just balancing that shadow with a piece of white paper or a pillow or something to um, eliminate that shadow. And then um, if you're using your iPhone, just like take a bunch of photos and figure out what looks the best. Um, portrait mode, super awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, cause I think honestly the most important piece in like what you're showing on Instagram is the subject. So not necessarily like it can be maybe a poor quality photo, but if the subject's really cool, people are going to stop and like stop their scroll anyways. Mm-hmm. The third option is to use stock photography mm-hmm. um, that applies to your brand. I personally really like my social curator. I, I, I use it um, as a photographer for those photos that don't necessarily connect with um, the, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm using photos of flowers or I'm using photos of coffee, stuff that I don't have time to take that fit with my brand that people aren't hiring me for. Mm -hmm. Um, So my social curator is really great for photos. Um, Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, for sure. I think that's awesome. What do you, what do you just like adore about like the differences between like film and digital? Yeah. So I love using them in tandem because they each have their strengths. So, um, and let me just, let me just say real quick too, like if you take photos with Katie, it's kind of awesome because she was like geared out. She's like the Indiana Jones (laughs) of photography. Like, I mean, she's got like five cameras on her. (laughs) It's, you know, like you can see that I love it because I'm just like, here, let me pull out all of these. I'm like, I have like a clown car basically. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Um, yeah, so digital is great for obvious reasons. Like you can take a million photos. Um, it's really great, especially like the, um, like the professional standard cameras, like the Mark three and Mark four are really great for, um, low light situations. They're fast. They're just reliable. Um, and, um, I, I also am really grateful to be in a time where I can, match my digital photography to my film photography. I think that's so cool. And it really holds me off because film is expensive. Like that's no joke. Um, it's very pricey. And so when the times that maybe I, you know, I don't have the resources to be able to buy the film and process it in large capacities, or, um, I just, I really don't have the time. Like I'm on a crunch. I have 10 minutes to get these photos. Um, I use Mastin Labs presets and Mastin Labs is the, like the best. I'm just obsessed with them. Sometimes I will edit a photo and I'm like, whoa, this is legit film. I don't understand what, I, what they're doing here, but they're just like room presets. Um, so that's the strength with digital. And then, um, film on the opposite side is it retains more detail. Um, it's better in bright, bright light situations. So the dreaded, like the sun is on the bride's face during the ceremony, Mm -hmm. like 
typically digital will not be able to like get that without making the rest of the image really dark or making the rest of the image really bright. It doesn't retain that kind of detail that film can. So when we're shooting at like high noon, it's not a big deal when I have my film camera because it can really retain all that detail and still make it soft and really beautiful. So it's taken a lot of that fear away from me. Um, the colors just naturally to the process of it, the chemicals mm-hmm. are amazing, like unparalleled. I, like I was saying about Mastin Labs presets, they're amazing, but not every situation am I going to get a photo that's looking like the film photo that I took, just mm-hmm. depending on the situation with the digital camera. Um, film is just always consistently beautiful. Even, even when it's underexposed or overexposed, there's something really, really beautiful about that. And I love the grain that professional film has. It's very soft. It's kind of like how your eye sees. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's very calming to me to be able to do that process of, of taking a film photo because I only have, you know, anywhere from 15 to 34 pictures in on one roll of film versus on like a digital camera, I have a couple thousand. So it's really nice to be very careful and curated. Um, and yeah, I just love using them together is there's so much opportunity. For sure. And there's gotta be like a sense of being more of a, like an artist in the film world of it, I would assume. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the using film has refined my eye a little bit more with digital as well, because when, when I started shooting both together, I would edit my digital photos while I was waiting for my film photos to process and send them as sneak peeks. And then get my film back and be like, oh gosh, this looks way off. <laughs> um, but since I've done it for a couple years now, like my eye is a little bit more refined as to what, what the image is going to look like. So even if maybe when I send out my digital um, sneak peeks and I get the film back and it doesn't look the same, it's going to look much, like, much more similar. Um, even if, you know, maybe the difference would be the, the white balance mm-hmm. or like tone of the image. But other than that, it's much more consistent. So I'm grateful for that because I'm less afraid of sending out sneak peeks. <laughs> the film comes in. Yeah, that could, I could see how that would be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I know a couple of photographers, they'll only send like black and white sneak peeks where they'll just rush their film in order to send them right away. But mm-hmm. eh, teach their own, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So as a business owner, how do you manage your business? Like, how do you I mean, I'm assuming with like, you know, clients and stuff, you're like, you have, well, you're, you're, you know, acting, you have like life and relationships and, you know, things, how do you balance everything and, in and keep, keep yourself feeling like well-balanced? <laughs> okay. So this is something that I've been doing for about 30 days now. And I really am just, I'm fitting into my groove. Um, and it's called the miracle morning. I don't know if you've heard about it, Mm-mm. but I started this yeah, I think it was just about a month ago and it was, let's see, it's a just over a month ago. I also, um, quit my part-time job. So I'm full-time photography now. Um, yeah, I know. Um, so, so about a month ago, I started doing the miracle morning and essentially it's when you wake up and you try and wake up earlier, at least an hour earlier than you normally would in the morning to complete what's called the lifesavers. So, um, it's your, I don't remember what the acronym is, um, like what each stands for, but essentially in the morning within like an hour to two hours, you're getting in a workout, a meditation, journaling, um, affirmations, visualization, 
Um, there's one more. I don't remember. You'll, you can look it up. But um, so I started doing this in the morning. I'm, I've been getting up at 4 a.m. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> crazy. Every day for a month, 4 a.m. I know, but I feel like it has brought so much balance to my life um, because I'm getting everything done for myself and setting myself up for like um, productivity early in the morning. Um, I never have to figure out like when I'm going to go work out again because it's like, well, I just wake up and I go to the gym and that's it. And that's my time. It's been really great because I um, also um, do this in the morning with my boyfriend dash partner, Jem. And um, it's really great for the two of us just in our relationship because we get that time together, just uninterrupted, just, and it's, it's very intimate, this process of, affirming things to yourself and visualizing. It doesn't seem like it would be an intimate process, but I mean, hearing somebody's hopes and dreams out loud, like raw and uncut is like, you know, it's, it's very intimate. So it's been really great to have that time with him. Um, just, just for our personal selves and our personal growth. Um, so you do that in the morning and, um, you know, shower, get ready, all of that. And then by around 7 AM is when the day starts for my business. And so, um, I will basically each week, each day has a specific task. Um, so like on Mondays I'll do this on Tuesdays, I'll do that. And so that's like my consistency. So, um, I think tomorrow I have to do Pinterest, you know, kind of thing. So, um, and knowing like what my each, each weekday task is for the day and then kind of figuring out workflow wise, like when are things due and starting there. Um, and then by around noon, one o'clock, somewhere around lunchtime, I will use that time to try and, um, jump on social media if I can, if I'm not, um, in any meetings or anything, um, get that out of the way, but my workday ends around four or five o'clock at the latest. Um, and so I have that rest of the evening to myself. So nice. Yes. Cut and dry. <laughs> no, I love that. And I, I think it's so hard as like, just being like an entrepreneur to like, especially when you don't have like, like a brick and mortar to go to, or, you know, an office away from home. I think it can be so hard to balance your time because you're kind of always working. Really, and I just want to touch on that too. I also, it's been just a couple of weeks now, but I started working at the um, WeWork space in the Pearl at Custom. Oh, yeah. It's such a beautiful space too. I'm here right now. It's so freaking cool. I The service desk, everyone who works here is amazing. They're so nice. It's so community driven. There's like a lunch later today with Garden Bar. And then later this evening, there's like happy hour just to hang out with other business owners in the area. So yeah. if you're looking to do that, I highly recommend it. It's a little pricey, but I think it's worth it. You get unlimited coffee. So why not? Right. And free lunches every so often. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's we, we work is a cool spot specifically because they actually have locations like globally that if I remember correctly, when I went to check them out at one point, they said that you can have a membership that will allow you to go to any of their locations and work from, which is right. pretty cool. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I, know. I think that's so cool. And I just, I have been loving it here. So, um, I, if you are looking for a dedicated space, when I work at home, I am doing my, I typically have tried to also separate those. So when I'm here at WeWork, it's doing all those like boring office tasks, like mm -hmm. social media and things like that. Um, and when I'm home, I'm doing my photography workflow. So like editing photos and things like that. So I know what to expect depending on like, which like quote office I'm in. 
that makes sense too. No, and that's, that's really good. I know like, you know, for me being a mom and stuff, my days are always like in flux and I've had a really hard time personally trying to figure out like a schedule because as soon as I get a, a schedule working for me, it's like something changes. <laughs> and so then I have to like reevaluate everything. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think having like a generalization of like what your goals are for that day and having, you know, um, giving yourself that like hours of work where you just kind of like at a certain time, you just try and make sure that you shut off. Um, yeah. I think that's really important. So very good advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one other thing I wanted to talk about because, um, you were there last year is together, um, because I'm really excited, but we are officially announcing our days and, um, I'm excited because it's just going to be such a different experience this time. And, um, I guess, you know, it is a newer conference and experience and stuff. So I'm curious, um, because last year was our first one and it was much smaller than what it was, what it's going to be this year. I'm curious what you thought about it last year and like, you know, what, how you thought maybe it was different from other experiences or maybe over the last year, since you've been kind of involved with the community and stuff, like how you feel, you know, our community is a little different than maybe some of the other ones that are out there. Yeah, I am so, so pumped for Together 2.0. It's going to be so much fun. I had a blast um, last year. Um, I love that it was kind of close into Portland, um, personally, because it's just like, when you have people that are coming from outside of the city, like for their very first time getting to experience Portland, mm -hmm. I think that's, it's so important. I'm so excited for the venue that you've picked as well. Um, just because the, the city has so much life to it. And I think what you do so well, probably unintentionally is highlight the city at its best. Like it's, you did a really great job with that. Um, I loved how everyone was just like instant best friends, like without even talking to each other beforehand, you know, like I feel like people were best friends before they knew each other's names at together. I think that was, I, so I totally see that. Yeah, I know. It definitely felt like everybody already knew each other, even though nobody did. <laughs> like there was little, little pockets of people that knew each other or, you know, had met online or something, but it was pretty cool. Like how quickly everyone kind of came together that first day. Yeah. And it was, it was just like encouraging and like heartwarming and, you know, even when it was like you're dealing it too straight, like, okay, well, this is not like how we should run our businesses anymore. This is how, you know, we should expand experiences or whatever. Like, even when it was kind of more of a serious topic, mm -hmm. everyone was just like, let's bring in a hug. Like, this is so great. Um, and I don't know if I can speak on the comparison between other conferences because this is my first one, um, because I had only taken photography specific conferences before that. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I will say is comparing to those is it was like, it's not just talking about being a community. Like it was a community of people, um, who are just encouraged by each other and all pieces of their business, like wherever they stood, you know, whether they had been going on like 10 years or, you know, they hadn't even started their businesses yet. And they were wondering how to get started. I think it was such a great variety. And it was one of those situations where it, you were just helping each other because you could not because you were expecting anything back. Mm -hmm. You weren't expecting them to follow you back on Instagram. You weren't expecting them to buy a product from you. It was just, this is, you know, this is me as a friend giving you what you need to go that next step. And 
even it just being, you know, cause you had planned that first conference so quick. <laughs> um, yeah, it was from concept to the first day. It was three months. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so, so I know you've been putting so much time into it since it ended. And I'm just absolutely thrilled to see what you've put together. Like even this little sliver that I've seen, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this is, I don't, I haven't seen anybody, um, really connect with, with the, even just like your marketing materials that you have, they're so easy to connect with and just see yourself in, um, as a business owner. So yeah, I have nothing but high expectations and I know you're going to exceed them somehow still. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, I also think it's just really fun this year because, you know, last year it was all about the boss lady and all that. And I think that you know, this year it's kind of exciting because we have opened it up to men and women. So I think, you know, just seeing what that's going to do, I think makes me really excited because, um, I think the only male we had there last year was our videographer, Mark. Yeah. (laughs) But he was like, he kept saying the whole time. He was just like, this is amazing. I wish there was something like this for like, men. you know what I mean? And so it just kind of opened my mind to be like, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff from Mark and from other, you know, male entrepreneurs, um, locally and online. Um, but you know, it's just, I felt weird after a while I started feeling weird, like calling it together. And then it was like only yeah. women. <laughs> I'm like, that kind of doesn't work. Like, I feel like it just needs to be for everybody. And, um, I think one of the cool things that I personally got last year that I wasn't even expecting was the diversity of, um, type of people in their, their ages, even like, um, there was so many different industries, obviously wedding industry tends to be one of the more common industries. And I think, you know, it's, it tends to be something that it's maybe an easier thing for people to do as a stay at home job, um, you know, between designing and photography and all these other things. Um, but then there was also like a woman who came, who was in her mid to late fifties who, you know, was like so excited to be there, but her kids were giving her a hard time. Like, mom, you're going to be like the old lady in the group. And and she totally wasn't. And she was having the best time. She like at her late, you know, and at that age, she was like, you know what, I'm going to be a business owner and I'm finally going to do what I've been wanting to do. And she came to this event and she just felt so encouraged and like, it made me like almost want to cry because I just felt so excited that like this little thing, you know, this concept I had, it turned into this thing for her where she was like being inspired and meeting all these people. And, you know, I think the fact that age doesn't matter is pretty cool. And, you know, opening it up to be not, not specific to a a type of industry or anything, I think actually makes it more interesting because you're getting so much more diversity in, in who you're talking to. And I think that, that alone was something I noticed last year that I'm really excited about this year specifically, you know, bringing in the male front <laughs> of, you know, entrepreneurs. I think it'll be really exciting. So yeah, it's Portland. We're inclusive. We love totally. it. And yeah. I think, I think maybe like the fear and hesitation in, in that, I don't know if this is something you experience. It's like, um, well, there's not always a platform. Like the, the argument is like, there's not always like a platform for women to have their own space kind of thing. But I'm also like, I feel like we've reached a time where we're not, especially in together, 
we are creating a community community of like-minded individuals. It's not, we're bringing in these, you know, these jerks who are going to tell us how to do business. Like we're not including people into this community who don't fit. And I think that's like the fear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, Oh, like men and their businesses. It's something that is very, um, it's a, it's a conversation, but when you are putting so much, and this goes for any brand, when you're putting so much of your like brand's purpose out there, like you're only going to attract people who want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really excited for it to be really inclusive and, um, just people are going to share some ideas, um, that they're, they're just, it's, I like to put it this way. So, um, I don't remember where I heard this, but a long time ago, I was watching a Ted talk, of course. Um, I don't remember who it was, but he was talking about scientists and artists. And he was saying that the fear in the art community, like the fear of, especially like the parents of like older generations of their kids going into the art community is that there's, um, not enough job opportunity for artists Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, like, Oh, like it's one in a million kind of thing. But when you think about it as if it were a scientist, right? You don't say that, you don't use that same argument as a scientist. You don't say, oh, well, science has already been discovered. Like you don't need more scientists. Mm -hmm. No, there's always something new to create and there's always something new to discover. And so by including more people of all walks of life into together, we're going to experience that same. We're going to experience um, new discoveries and whatever that looks like. And yeah. No, I I love that. That's totally true. And I think, um, you know, there's always the, I think, especially like when, when you are talking about like art, um, it's funny how, you know, people are always like, oh, that was somebody else's idea and they stole that idea or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something that's to be said about art as a general thing is that nobody's original when it comes to that. What happens is, you know, ideas and stuff come and somebody might be more innovative on the way they do something, but then somebody can take their own spin or own take on it or expand it by adding to it. Um, and in a lot of ways that is very similar to like with science is, you know, somebody's already discovered something and a new scientist can come in take that concept and be like, well, what if this other thing exists? Like it might inspire them to think more outside of the box. And I think that that's totally like a really good like analogy for that, you know, with, um, combining things like science and, and art um, in our community, I think it's just kind of a really cool way to think about, you know, how we can grow from each other. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. I think that's the end of our little chat together, but I know I'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah. That was um, so fun. Yeah. So thanks for, you know, popping on with me today and being the first one on our next season. So I'm really excited about that. And yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Together Podcast. To find out more about this episode or me, Devin, visit our website at together-experience.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to hop on iTunes, subscribe, leave us a review, and be sure to share with a friend. The more people we can reach means the more people we can bring together, which is exactly the point. Your reviews help us more than you know, and we appreciate it so much. We'll see you next time on our next episode.